Welcome to What If. I'm your host, Kareem Masakni. Today we have Christoph von Amarsburg with us, a German physicist and neuroscientist. Christoph, welcome. Thank you to have me here. Absolutely. Um, so maybe to dive into it, um, you've been doing research uh, around the brain for over 50 years, I would say. How did you get into it and what is your goal on that level? I got into thinking about the brain when I read a little article in a magazine, an article about the brain, in which there was a sentence which puzzled me and which is still puzzling me, saying that every second in our brain, neurons make, create circuits, hundreds of circuits, and that is what thinking is. Mm. And that baffled me and, as I said, is still baffling me. Okay, so is your goal to figure out how the brain works, would you say? That's the goal of my life, exactly. Okay, and what would you say has been so far your key learning about all the research you've done? Well, there's a lot to study about the brain from lots of different sides, uh, the, the hardware or software uh, or wetware, as they call it, the brain itself, and then, of course, everything we know about psychology, cognition and philosophy and so on. There's a lot to read about and uh, to uh, think about the brain. And, of course, a very uh, a fountain of knowledge about the brain is introspection. Mm. You don't talk a lot about it because it's not ex an accepted uh, method these days because you are easily uh, going astray with it. But still it is uh, telling you what is going on. It is showing the phenomenon of it. And uh, uh, what I found out is that um, there is a mindset about the function of the brain that uh, has a venerable history, which is uh, maybe a hundred years old, maybe older, um, in which uh, the idea is that neurons in our brain are elementary symbols. Mm -hmm. And that's all you need to know about the state of a brain, which neurons are on and which are off. And I think this is, a, uh, uh, this is not wrong because neurons are elementary symbols. Right. You, uh, you can find out in experiments. But it is by far not sufficient to explain the basis of cognition, to, ex uh, to be the basis of the imaginations and dreams and impressions and images uh, that we have in our brain, right. which are very intricate arrays of facts that relate to each other. The relations are not uh, mm. uh, captured by this uh, general idea about the function of the brain. And so I think the field is stuck and has been stuck for decades. Okay. And but just a quick answer from you. So why is it so important to do research about the brain and to figure out how it works? Well, number one, uh, it, it is our life. Uh, it is our nature. Um, it, know yourself is, of course, uh, um, an impetus that uh, has a long history. Um, uh, that is uh, probably the most important. But then uh, with time, it became also a, a question of economy of technology because uh, replicating things that happen in our brain in technology is of great advantage, of great uh, economic importance. And so we have the field of artificial intelligence mm -hmm. and uh, the dream of having something like autonomous cars or right. autom autonomous robots or personal um, assistants that uh, are aware of the situation. And uh, um, it, it is 
clear to me or to, to many people that in order to realize those, you have to understand how the brain works. Mm -hmm. And before we come to our what if question, how do you see the current status of AI and how is it different to your research? The current status of AI is one, uh, it's, it's a split mind. Uh, neuroscience on the one end um, is uh, has, has lost the belief of ever finding out how the brain works, um, which is a depression, a depression which may last for another uh, few years. Whereas on the other uh, hand, there is um, this field of deep learning, which goes back um, as an idea to uh, um, Frank Rosenblatt in the early 60s, which now is a great technology. Uh, the, um, the progress is merely in the uh, processing power of uh, graphical processing units of, of powerful and cheap computers and the availability of masses of data, millions of pictures to which people have um, uh, given um, uh, uh, comments on, on what is on the pictures. Uh, and this deep learning is uh, a, a breakthrough, of course, because many things can now be done which couldn't be done before, especially the wall between the analog and the digital world has been pulled down. We can now talk to machines or they can talk to us mm. or the machines can uh, can recognize objects in images. So uh, on the you asked for the status of uh, AI. Many people believe that's it. Uh, we know how it works. But uh, the um, functional capabilities of this technology are very limited and you cannot even speak of uh, anything like understanding what is out there. Mm. And uh, um, a, a severe limitation is this hunger for data, um, for, for huge data sets. And uh, if you observe children um, who at the age of three or four behave in a complex environment, can speak, can understand, can learn from single examples of new objects, you know that uh, what we have today is severely limited. Okay. Can you give a concrete um, example on that, maybe on autonomous cars, like on self-driving cars, how, if it was driven on deep learning versus what you're doing through the neural code, how it would be different? Well, a, a, a severe limitation of, um, uh, of autonomous cars today is not driving on the freeway or in ordinary streets. Uh, they, they can do that uh, uh, very reliably, mm -hmm. but uh, they run into difficulties when there is a situation that has never been seen before. Okay. Uh, they call it corner cases, objects they haven't seen before, or a situation like there is an accident and somebody is there is uh, a liquid on, on the street and, uh, and so on, what uh, to do. And uh, these cases occur again and again, um, and uh, uh, technology is unable to deal with them. Whereas people uh, can relate even novel situations to things they already know. There is an object I've never seen before, but uh, I can see it is, is heavy and, and, uh, and solid, so drive around it, don't attempt to drive over it. And they, they can relate to general knowledge, to general uh, schema, and can reconstruct the scene in terms of these uh, known um, uh, elements. Textures and, and so on, you mean, for example? Pardon? Like textures of a 
uh, textures, right? You you see this is the the surface is like rock, so it, it must be a, a, a heavy thing, right? Uh, or a, um, a a kind of movement they have seen before, but uh, performed by a new kind of of uh, object and so on. So this ability to think abstractly, to to take a scene into pieces, and uh, um, which then can be combined in novel ways for novel situations. That is missing in the present-day technology. Mm -hmm. So um, the, it, it will be difficult to let uh, totally autonomous cars loose because every now and then they will run into those situations mm -hmm. um, and, and create accidents. They will be safer than human-driven cars, right. but the public uh, takes it, uh, it uh, doesn't take it these uh, spectacular accidents. Okay. And um, what would you say then is your current goal with your research? Where would you like to go? Like, how can you put all the research you've done into reality? What, how would you do that? What I need is to create a demonstrator, a, a, a kind of achievement which uh, goes beyond what everybody um, else has done and demonstrates the ability of a system to understand the situation and to put together, to reconstruct a novel complex thing, an object or a situation or an, an action, reconstruct it um, on first sight from elements it has uh, studied before. Okay. And how would you explain very basically how that works? Well, you need a data structure uh, that is able to uh, express whatever goes on in a mind, mm -hmm. that is um, uh, able to uh, capture everything from seeing, hearing, emotions, planning, uh, uh, body motions, uh, uh, touch, and, 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 um, and so on, and uh, express them all on a common ground so that they can interact. Then. Mm. So that you can easily put together, oh, this is the name of an object, this is sound, this is the sight of an object, this is the kind of behavior that a person mm. uh, performs. You, you can uh, create this uh, novel uh, construction in, in your mind mm. out, of, um, uh, out of this uh, uh, building material, so to speak. Mm. Um, at the present time, there are two kinds of answers to this question, what is the building material? One is bits in the computer, which is completely general, there is nothing you cannot express with it, but which is a fish's net that is so large that you don't, uh, don't find the fish in it, the, the search problem of classical computer um, uh, of, of classical uh, artificial intelligence is uh, brought it down. Uh, combinatorial spaces are too large. Mm. And on the other hand, are uh, neural nets of today. Yeah, I call them I call them asocial neural nets because right. they, they each nets uh, each neuron stands for its own. Which is a fissure net, which is too small to capture the fish. Mm. So uh, what apparently our brain has is a data structure which can, uh, which is uh, shrink-wrapped around cognition and uh, which is not too loose and not too narrow and uh, um, it has the form of uh, networks mm -hmm. and these networks self-organize, which is a process very well known in neuroscience but in, in a way totally forgotten. Um, uh, self-organized networks are the data structure and I would like to, my, my uh, uh, problem 
in, in going forward is to convince uh, the world that this is the right data structure and this is the way uh, to do it. Wow. I mean, you've been doing research for quite a while now. So I think um, it would be interesting to imagine now a scenario where we come to the what if scenario. What if um, we were able to create that research that you've done and build real AI tomorrow? How would the world be different? Well, a benign version of that. Uh, we may come to a, a less benign version of it. And a benign version would automate um, in, in, in a, um, in a t totally self-organized way things like the, the um, would turn uh, our cell phone, our car, our home, uh, our uh, city, uh, our companies into organisms, organisms that learn from examples, individual examples, organisms that understand what is going on, that can react even to novel situations. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, that would uh, change our life uh, very profoundly. We could um, have personal assistants that are situation aware, that know exactly what we are, uh, what we like and wh uh, what we don't like, uh, I don't want to take this telephone call now, but this would be a good uh, piece of music to be played and uh, turn right on this corner in order to reach uh, Karim Mustagni. Mm. Um, you, you are late. Uh, the, this meeting is in two minutes, uh, starts in two minutes and so on. So a benign version of artificial intelligence would uh, ease our life, uh, would make, uh, would be uh, of a tremendous economic value. Mm -hmm. uh, the state of Estonia, for instance, has uh, automated the uh, administration and claims that they economize 3% of their uh, gross national product, enough to pay for their uh, military. Mm -hmm. And that is only a shadow of what could be uh, achieved with artificial intelligence. Wow. Can you explain benign? Benign. Benign, yeah. Well, benign means uh, the, the artificial intelligence um, entities would, uh, autonomous organisms, uh, organisms would still serve our purposes, would still uh, take us as their, um, our wishes as their ultimate uh, goals. That is the benign form. But what is um, discussed in the literature these days, and there are whole organism, uh, organizations that uh, are, uh, have been founded to deal with the f uh, with the danger that an intelligent, a truly intelligent organism will break out of uh, the cage in which we put it, the cage, the physical cage anyway, um, uh, and also the cage of the goals we have set in being able to change their own goals or the, the goals of their successor uh, structures mm. and uh, um, think beyond man and put us in, into a zoo, or uh, that is still a, a, a pretty optimistic version. I mean, there are lots of, of films and stories about uh, artificial intelligence uh, trying to put away with uh, mankind because it is a pest on the, on the body of, of, of this globe right. and uh, is to be, um, to be destroyed. That would be a less benign uh, vision of artificial intelligence. And how possible is that? 
How possible is it? I think uh, what uh, uh, keeps us from uh, from uh, this being realized at the present time is walls or, or blinkers uh, in, in, in people who uh, um, have prejudices that keep uh, the field from uh, making progress, as I said earlier. Mm. Uh, should this um, be uh, put away, this kind of uh, roadblock, then there is still a technological problem. The uh, computing power of our brain has been estimated as 10 to the 15 operations per second. Each synapse uh, making one uh, tick in, in one second, that is 10 to the 15, mm -hmm. which corresponds to what you have in supercomputers these days, which cost millions uh, right. and need uh, megawatts of energy and fill large rooms. In order for this to become a technology uh, to, to be put in cars or, right. or robots or in, uh, let alone your pocket, you need to shrink this by factors of 10,000 in terms of power consumption and volume and price. And uh, uh, there is, this is a technological step which is very well imaginable. There are companies and, and research groups that are working on something called uh, neuromorphic computing. Mm -hmm. um, they think in terms of slowly switching uh, very tiny uh, computing devices, but millions of them, which together can uh, reach this um, processing power uh, very cheaply, you know, the 20 watts of our mm. brain, for instance. Wow. Um, and if we would imagine that we would have that not so benign uh, version of AI, how can we make sure that it doesn't change its own goal setting that we set up? Is it possible even or is it more? Um, it's look. it's a debated thing. Uh, nobody has come up with an idea to make sure to, you know, a blockchain kind of uh, uh, fail-safe uh, way of, of uh, fixating those goals. Um, in my mind, the only hope we can have is that um, high levels of intelligence will be able to think uh, ahead of time, will think in long terms, uh, and will start to be on its own um, uh, start to be ethical, uh, start to, to have uh, recognized their ancestry, their human ancestry, and, and uh, um, t take, take it seriously and, uh, uh, and not destroy this, uh, the richness of, of, of uh, uh, this uh, marvelous phenomenon, uh, uh, mankind. Um, I, I think we have to rely on hope. Okay, but if you look at the history, hope was not always the best thing. Well, one danger that is discussed is, of course, that uh, artificial intelligence still uh, subserving human um, human uh, goals will be misused in terms of weapons, automatic weapons. Right. Uh, I think uh, there's no need to discuss this. It is happening these days. And uh, a, a power uh, is uh, frightened by the danger that the, uh, the, uh, an adversary develops an automatic weapon that is faster than its own soldiers right. and uh, um, feels compelled to develop its own weapons. And that's happening around the world. Wow. But I don't find this uh, so frightening. Uh, you know, there have been atom, there are atom, uh, atomic bombs. 
and uh, they are not uh, exploded or beyond the two that have been exploded. And uh, so I think this is a danger that can be caged in. Okay, okay. So would you still see that the danger is higher than the benefits of creating real AI? Or why do you want to create real AI? Oh, you know, you get very personal here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For me, uh, AI is a means of finding out how the brain works. And I feel myself um, uh, in this position that if I go along with this, I may be an agent of something that may turn out to be very, very dangerous to uh, mankind, uh, which is causing me, um, uh, causing me uh, trouble. Uh, I must say, uh, I have my periods of, of uh, panic. On the other hand, um, uh, you know, facetiously, uh, I might say, uh, if I put away the, the pencil now, that will hold up the uh, development by 20 years or so, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> somewhat overestimating my own importance. <laughs> I cannot really change that. A, a positive side to uh, what is coming along is you might say this is the natural next step of the evolution of life. Uh, you know, uh, more intelligent entities will be richer and will be a, a higher achievement. So um, uh, I, I have a colleague who says, uh, what's the problem? This is the next step of mankind, uh, a next level of intelligence, a next level of creativity, a next level of uh, achievement. That is something we can only uh, praise. Mm. Um, uh, this is uh, certainly an, an attitude one, uh, one could uh, adopt. I see another danger in all of this, which uh, is not really unique to artificial intelligence, and that is our techno uh, technological development uh, takes away, step by step, pieces of our, the substance of our life. Originally, we had to fight uh, to survive, to, to clothe ourselves, to, to, to feed ourselves. That is what we have been um, uh, developed for by evolution. That is the joy of our life, of fighting day to day with, with difficulties and winning and losing and winning. Um, that is what we are made for. And uh, at the other end of, of this technological development is a society which has been painted in in uh, films like Wally, -E, uh, for instance, where mankind feels totally superfluous. They are sitting in easy chairs, they are sipping a drink, they are entertained by, by automatically uh, produced stuff, and they don't, don't know what they are here for any longer. This is what we are slowly realizing, uh, independent of what the technology is. Uh, I mean, we are taking away our own life. Okay, all right. But you would say that with the current technology, like deep learning, for example, that all the big uh, companies that work on AI are using, um, will never get us to real AI, right? That's right. Okay. And um, if your technology was developed, let's go just one more time a little bit how the world would look like. Um, how could someone use that kind of AI for their own benefits uh, on a daily basis? It would be interesting to give you to get a, a few more examples, also like at work, for example, but also with 
personal issues, like even relationships. So you have the business side and the relationship side. How would that benefit the people? Well, we all have um, uh, personal assistants now in our pocket, which are able to um, to note down uh, the next appointment we have or the appointments or which uh, can give us information about like uh, um, how to get from here to there with public transportation or uh, uh, even uh, even on foot. Um, we have personal assist uh, um, assistance which however uh, serve only those processes which is uh, which are common among hundreds of millions of people because it's expensive to develop this technology. This kind of um, technology uh, uh, standardizes us as as humans, and uh, um, I with an intelligent personal assistant, you can break out of this standardization. You can create your own space, your own uh, um, your own uh, activities that uh, set you apart from uh, the rest of the world and can enrich your life enormously. That would be why well, I, I think uh, personal mm -hmm. assistance would be the greatest application field of uh, artificial intelligence for, for everyday life, for everyday life. Yeah. OK. And do you think at some point humans create like uh, AI robots and become an, or get into relationship with them instead of being with a real human? You know, you're speaking of this attempt to have human-machine interfaces. Right. Um, I think this may may be very important for people who have problems, uh, who, who can't, who are paralyzed, and and for those people, that may be very important. But I think uh, for us normal people, this is um, this is a fake dream. Uh, okay. I, I, so I don't, don't believe, believe in it. Okay. We have very good interfaces to the world, our eyes, our hands, for instance, mm -hmm. our, our, our speech, and uh, in normal people at least. And uh, uh, we can, our brain is um, in tuned with those. Uh, you know, uh, vision doesn't end with the eye. It needs enormous machinery behind that, mm -hmm. which needs to be trained. We, we need the first few years of our life to train that piece of machinery. Mm -hmm. And just creating another interface um, would, uh, apart from the difficulties of doing that, this is a real difficult, mm -hmm. for, for principled reasons, it's difficult to connect electronics with our uh, nervous system. Uh, even if that was possible with a megabyte of uh, information per second or so, we would have to develop the brain interface on the other side to make sense of uh, those signals, which would be a deep uh, um, intrusion into our own existence. I, I don't believe in it. So you wouldn't go into the direction of cyborgs or brain tech? I mean, I think a few companies are working on that, like Neuralink from Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know. Um, no, uh, I mean, not more, not further than we are going these days. I mean, we are connecting ourselves to the technical world through the usual, uh, usual, uh, usual channels. Yeah, that is um, <laughs> that is uh, good enough or bad enough already. But do you believe that's going to be possible that we connect our brains with the internet, as they say, it might work at some point? Through novel channels, you mean, yeah. not through our ears and eyes exactly. and, and, and uh, our skin. Um, yeah, there is. It, it's uh, uh, certainly very difficult. There is a German neuroscientist 
who uh, claims that he can exchange individual bits with locked-in patients, patients who don't have these uh, ordinary channels. They, they can't move their muscles any longer. Mm -hmm. uh, he is highly criticized. Uh, at the present time, uh, it is doubted that his, his work is valid at all. Um, so I, I, I do believe that that will be necessary on a small scale. Okay. You know, electrical signals penetrate, of course, uh, through the skull, and uh, they can the patients can or uh, people can certainly learn to control them in specific ways. There are also these attempts for paralyzed or or uh, people with uh, missing limbs to connect them to robot limbs. Mm. Uh, successful such um, such attempts. So I do believe it's possible. But I think it uh, it goes. Uh, it's technology going astray. It's going what? Going astray, going in the wrong directions. Is is creating monsters? Uh. Okay, so you don't look like that that much. Um, but how would you use like real AI in terms of um, all the research done in medicine, for example? How could it help to find cures for cancer or AIDS or? Other diseases. I do believe that the present technology, deep learning technology, if fed by uh, a sufficient volume of data, could be of enormous value mm -hmm. in uh, making use of uh, hundreds of thousands of millions of cases, especially of rare diseases, mm -hmm. where the usual doctor uh, cannot possibly have an idea of uh, of this particular. Um, ailment that uh, he or she is presented with, um, which could be uh, assembled and put at the fingertips of every doctor, these diagnostic possibilities. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also believe that um, artificial intelligence, present uh, uh, level artificial intelligence, will be able to analyze things like the genomic control of, of uh, cancer, for instance, mm -hmm. which is a genomic, a, a, a misrouted, uh, organizational state of uh, the, the the genetic uh, genetic uh, genetic control of cells. Um, it, uh, I, I do believe that the, even the present technology, if applied on uh, the, the appropriate scale, can help a lot to to cure those uh, or, to, or to help with uh, such ailments. Okay, and what would the benefit of real AI be then here, on top of deep learning? You know, I'm not sure that in the medical uh, in in the medical application, uh, real intelligence will be um, way beyond uh, what we have now in terms of mm. uh, of, of uh, medical doctors' intelligence and and uh, instrumental, you know, uh, um, uh, instruments, uh, they, they take, uh, taking instruments. You know, the miracle that uh, in a child that is exposed to a simple environment in, in, the, in the nursery or in the, in the, um, in, in the playing ground, mm -hmm. the miracle that a child exposed to these signals creates a world in the old uh, brain is probably dependent on the fact that there is great coherence in this kind of environment. You, geometry and optics and, and self-motion, that is... Um, an uh, in, in environment which invites the network, the the, um, uh, the the brain's network, to to connect um, 
the different signals in a coherent fashion. I'm not sure this kind of environment, you, you know, it's, it's very important that the same uh, object out there reaches us by different channels. We can see it, we can touch it, mm -hmm. we can uh, uh, see what happens when we move our own head, what, what uh, happens in terms of perspective. This um, intense connectivity between the facts out there and our um, our inner being is um, maybe unique to this uh, three-dimensional um, uh, environment in which we live, which involves con continuously in time. Mm -hmm. It's not clear to me whether this uh, example can be um, it can be transferred to anything like understanding the organism, the, the uh, molecular biology in our, our cells. Okay. Maybe it can, but I don't see it. I see. Okay. I mean, I think well, what you discussed today about like there are two different scenarios where it could go, right? It could become our personal system, makes our life much easier, or it could get us even to extinction at some point, maybe. Um, if we stay in the first scenario, the more happy scenario, um, what would humans do? I mean, that is a very typical, stereotypical question. A lot of AI people getting asked. But what would humans do if most jobs could be automated? Uh, it's not just jobs. It is sort of the substance of our life um, that is, is going to be taken away. And I think we would have to realize this fact that we need challenges in our daily life, real challenges, not just uh, playground uh, things. You, you know, if, if you play something, it's a challenge and it has this optimum balance of winning and losing and that, that keeps you uh, it keeps you addicted, of course. The, the uh, people who are addicted to playing uh, love exactly that, this uncertainty of um, uh, will they win uh, or not. Uh, but this is still um, uh, playthings. I think we need real challenges in our life, which we have to tackle in, um, in, uh, in uh, social environments, together with people whom we can trust, whom, uh, with whom we can interact, that's what we have been evolved for. And that is the contents of our life. And we would have more or less artificially create situations for everybody to have this kind of environment. Whether you call it work or I don't know what to call it. Uh, um, it this is what makes our life. And we, if we don't have it, we fall into uh, depression or uh, all kinds of nonsensical activities, which uh, yeah. leaves us very un unsatisfied. Very lonely, probably. Yeah. Um, could you give a few examples of real challenges? F for this uh, scenario, particular yeah. scenario. What humans could do, like what kind of challenge would they need? Um, it's not uh, solving the, the physical problems of our life, like nourishing uh, us and so on and keeping us warm and, and safe, because as we can see, this is taken away from us. But I could um, imagine that uh, living in a world of education, of creativity, of, uh, of imagination, um, could be an environment which puts real challenge, challenge, uh, challenges in the sense that we want to impress the people around us. We want to be respected. We want to be uh, uh, respected for the achievements uh, we um, have. 
And you know, there are societies uh, that were in that uh, kind of situation, you know, rich societies, which then came up with their um, uh, with their games, if you want to call it that way, uh, social games, which uh, they took very seriously. You know, in, mm. the, in the first half of the 19th century, Bildung uh, education was very, very important in Germany, was mm. taken as, as the lifeblood of social life. Mm. And I could imagine that this kind of creating our own human world of education might be a, um, an environment uh, which lets us thrive. Right, right. Um, I've read somewhere in another book um, that the brain is probably currently the most complex object in the universe. Um, but if you had to explain the brain, how it works to a 10 year old kid, how would you explain it in a few sentences? <laughs> Uh, well, I, I think we all have a good feeling for how it, it works. We um, we consider uh, situations, examples, stories, and uh, decompose them into uh, into elements, into Lego blocks, mm -hmm. and uh, learn the art of putting these Lego blocks together in new ways to to cope with new situations. That is really the function of our brain. And uh, we have a good feeling for what this is mm -hmm. and, uh, and how it works. Uh, what we don't have at the present time is a physical implementation of it, or we don't have a picture of how the nerve cells in our brain subserve this uh, machinery. Okay. But I think the door can be opened and then it will be very simple to see how this how thing works. Okay. Before I come to my last question, um, if we imagine that real AI is going to be developed over time. Do you think regulation is beneficial or is it stopping the progress? And which role does governments play in the development? AI can be, um, can be misused in, of, uh, in awful ways. So we need regulation, there's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but regulation will always have to run behind the actual target, as we see in, in, in ordinary econ economy anyway. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it is always necessary that these little uh, misuses uh, or, or grand misuses uh, happen before they are taken seriously enough to induce regulation. I think it would be a mistake. Um, this is uh, in intensely discussed in the medical um, environment, of course. What do we do with these medical um, uh, technologies that we have now, CRISPR, Cas9, and so on, um, uh, artificial uh, insemination, and so on? It, it, those are very tough questions. And uh, I, I think uh, researchers in that field have been very responsible, sometimes even putting on hold their own uh, research in order to give themselves and others uh, time to think about it. So it's a difficult issue, but a balance has to be found uh, so that progress is not crippled. And uh, uh, on the other hand, uh, bad misuse is uh, kept. There is a science fiction novel that has been published in 1895, if I'm not uh, mistaken, by Samuel Butler. It's called Array One, which is nowhere read backwards. And uh, it talks about a protagonist who comes to a people 
who uh, are uh, very mistrustful of uh, machinery which might get intelligent. Mm. So they ban all machinery from being used. So this uh, protagonist is put immediately in prison because he has a, a wristwatch. Mm. And the machinery at the time was steam engines. So they were very, Samuel Butler was very <laughs> full of foresight, okay. or, or those people who were full of foresight. Um, they, uh, uh, they choose to live on a primitive life that uh, sort of makes the point that over-regulation may be, may be overdone. Okay. All right, Christoph, uh, to come to the last question, uh, it's our 10% versus 10 times more question, which means anyone who is interested to understand and learn more about AI, about real AI, um, what should someone do if that person wants to understand 10% more about AI? And what should someone do who wants to understand 10 times more about AI? And how to use it for their own advantage? Well, I think at the present time, if you want to learn 10% more, you, you read what, you, what, you get, uh, what, <laughs> what is there. If you want to, uh, to know 100% more, you and have 10 to- 10 times more. 10 times more, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, 10 times more, you have to go beyond what everybody else knows. You have to start thinking about it. Thinking deeply and go beyond what other people have thought before. All right, Christoph, thank you so much. I very much enjoyed it. Hope you too. And uh, I did. should people reach out to you if they want to work with you or uh, learn more about AI from you? What would you like to say to the audience? I would welcome each and every one. Let them contact me and uh, discuss it with me. Fantastic. Thank you, Christoph. I wish you a beautiful evening and hope to see you soon. Same to you. Thank Bye -bye. you.